0: Rise for their majesties of royally
1: obsessed the podcast for all things royals
0: stand by three cheers for her majesty
1: the queen All right, welcome back to royally obsessed i'm roberta
2: and i'm rachel
1: and we are joined by bethan holt she's the fashion director at the telegraph and the author of the queen 70 years of majestic style thank you so much bethan for joining us again oh thank you for having me will be under such sad circumstances. Exactly. Well, I mean, sad circumstances require a drink. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. So our royal refreshment today is appropriately gin and Dubonnet for the queen. I mean, we had to, of course. So that, if you want to mix it up at home, is one part gin, two parts Dubonnet, a lemon slice top with two ice cubes and sink the lemon and we know that the queen preferred Gordon London's dry gin and while we're sipping Bethan we want to catch up and hear about how everything is over there i mean what's the mood in london how are you doing
0: yeah i was just right before i came on with you guys one of my friends was just t- telling me that she just watched um say that the queen's coffin has just landed um in London and we've just seen it go into Buckingham Palace and yeah one of my friends is like I just burst into tears and I don't I don't even know why but you know there's just I think there's a kind of a lot of emotion in the air and I think what I'm hearing from quite a lot of people is that maybe they didn't expect to feel this way but I suppose a big you know a death of somebody like the queen who has been such a constant in so many people's lives can actually bring up a lot of feelings um for people so yeah there's there's a lot of that there's a lot of kind of logistics going on of like people wanting to pay tribute and how they're going to do it um but I think as well actually on a more positive note first of all that there has been a lot of really nice celebration of the queen's life and her legacy and um earlier today I I recorded um a tv show it's called this morning here um kind of a popular morning show and right before I went on there was there was like a guy who um is like a corgi expert and he <laughs> oh and he was gosh. like had a corgi with him and he was talking about how amazing. involved the queen is and in, was in looking after her corgis and how um how much of a sort of expert she was on the breed and everything so there's there's all those kind of really nice just really remembering all those amazing quirks about this incredible woman and she had so many kind of strings to her bow um so there's a lot of that and I think there's also a lot of positivity for the royal family now and King Charles going forward as well so um and I think they've handled that really well
1: how have you been keeping up with the news do you have you know BBC on the background all day or how have you been kind of watching that
0: yeah BBC has been my my sort of go-to really even since Thursday when I I got the news notification that the Queen was um seriously ill although a serious concern for her health kind of had it on just constantly and I I think those television institutions they do such a good job at times like this because Sometimes there's not a huge amount to say. Sometimes there's a lot of very complicated things to say, like all the pageantry and ceremony around what's going on at the moment is really rooted in kind of ancient rituals. And it's it's quite hard to understand in a way. So there's this delicate balance between explaining all these rituals and things that are happening, but also just having that sort of lighter touch as well.
2: Yeah, this is such a historical moment. I think they do a great job of holding that space and then giving the details. And I agree just seeing the coffin being driven through that gate at Buckingham Palace, just watching the feeds over here just now. It was just, I agree with your friend, just so emotional and to think it's the last time that we'll see the queen go through that gate. Well, I think it's a good segue into our listener email. We've gotten quite a few responses and notes and DMs, and we're really, really grateful for everyone reaching out. We wanted to share this note from Ashley, who thanked us for the bonus episode we released last week and said, although it was moving to read the many tributes to Her Majesty on social media, it wasn't until I listened to your episode that I was truly able to mourn the Queen. I had been overwhelmed with grief all day, but didn't feel like I had an outlet until I went into my bedroom, shut the door, and cried along the, with the two of you. The emotion of your conversation helped me process how she Shocked and heartbroken, I felt. She adds that her grief was juxtaposed with her sister going into labor just 12 hours later after the Queen's death was announced, which kind of made her think about the statistics shared by the Washington Post, which was that nine out of 10 living humans were born after Elizabeth became Queen. And it is so strange when you think, she adds, that her newborn niece was born during the reign of King Charles III. It really is the end of an era. I thought that was a really lovely note. And uh, we, Bethan, we were struck roberta and i last week by our emotions i think it was the first moment for us to really process the news it had been such a whirlwind day so many tears. Yeah, but moving on, and because perfect segue to talk about King Charles III. Natasha wrote us, and she's a UK-based listener, and she writes that, I had a huge respect for the Queen, as did all my family, because she was always honest and true to her word. Over the past couple of days, a lot of my American friends have been upset, shedding tears and sending me condolences. For me, as with many of my UK friends and family, whilst we're upset, we're also angry and fearful. I've not seen any tears from anyone I know in the UK. Here's why. She says the Queen's passing signifies the end of an era of stability. When things were bad, the Queen was a calm figurehead. She says, this is her opinion, that the UK is now in a period of decline. No leadership that tells the truth, a cost of living crisis and inflation. Then there's King Charles III, who she says also doesn't seem to be able to be honest with what happens in his own finances, among other things. She adds that she's at a loss as to knowing where the bright light is in her home country and wishes that it could have been Anne that had been given the throne due to her trustworthiness and integrity. And Natasha says she's also been on the commuter train quite a few times with Princess Anne from Kemble to London. So I think it was just a great moment to ask, Bethan, how is the UK feeling about King Charles III? It's so strange to Roberta and I to hear God Save the King.
0: Oh, my gosh. The first time I heard that, it was so so bizarre. And I think also when... um one of the amazing tributes over here had the rendition of God Save the Queen that was sung at her coronation and it was just so beautifully sung and so grand and almost literally like it was being sung by angels or something. I don't know. It was just so beautiful and and, and to think that we won't sing that again, I just, yeah, I can't imagine that because we're, you know, for the foreseeable future, we're really not going to be having a queen. So, um So yeah, I, I do understand your, your listeners perspective. And I am also a huge fan of Anne. And I think there has been a huge um, respect for the fact that she's accompanied her mother on her sort of final journey. Um, She just tonight released a statement, speaking about the privilege of spending the last 24 hours of her mother's life with her. And I do, I do think she's an incredible woman. Um, I think at the moment, you know, there's, there's a lot of sympathy and, um, there's a lot of, um, public goodwill towards Charles. Um, but you know, let's, let's see how that, how that
1: pans out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It started out going really well, I think for Charles. And I think a lot of the speeches he's made, he's made have been very poignant, but then I was struck when I saw the image of him and Camilla yesterday in parliament, sitting on the two thrones that felt kind of dystopian almost in a way I didn't know if you had any thoughts about that I feel like there's been actually in the last few hours even a few not great headlines for Charles like he's had an outburst over a pen when he was signing a document and um, letting go Clarence House staff members um, so I feel like Rachel and I are cautiously optimistic about how it will go.
0: Yeah I, th- I think that his natural temperament isn't it's very different to his mother's. And when you're in the global spotlight like that, it's, um, you know, it's very important to, to sort of behave in a certain way. And I guess his mother's set incredibly high standards for that. So I, I think as well, though, on the other side, this man has just lost his mother. He's just suddenly got the job that he's been True. waiting his whole life to get. Um, he hasn't stopped. I mean, he just seems to be in, like, a different part of the UK, uh, taking part in a different ceremony every minute of the day. So for him to be a bit impatient about a pen that's leaking, I suppose like, it's a I lot don't of think pressure. that's the worst thing.
2: But. Um... I know. I think it's going to take some time to adjust. I think the only thing I would say that I, you know, just watching everything in Northern Ireland and Scotland, I miss the Rainbow Queen. Like that is, you know, I, I, I think Charles is dressed wonderfully and you can definitely speak to the style and fashion, of course. But I, you know, I think that that was... there's just little differences that we're going to all have to get used to.
0: Yeah. But you know, Camilla might surprise us. Yes. Well, we want to get into that with you. (laughs) At the moment, at the moment we're in this period of mourning where everyone is in black and it does feel quite, actually, I mean, Charles was even wearing a kilt yesterday in Scotland, which even that, I was like, Oh, it's nice just to see like a pop of red, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there will be this more somber mood for a while, but I will be really interested to see how Camilla kind of steps up and, you know, maybe takes on that role. And, of course, we have a new Princess of Wales as well, so.
2: I know. It's all
0: so yeah. exciting.
1: Well, let's talk royal history very briefly. And now, this week in royal history... Just a flashback to September 15th, 1984, which is 38 years ago. Henry Charles Albert David was born at St. Mary's Hospital in London, aka Prince Harry. Then he was third in line to the throne. Now he's fifth in line. And our hearts just go out to him. I feel like this is such a tough time for him. Obviously, we had at the end of August his mother's death anniversary, 25 years since Diana had passed, and now the Queen. And of course, I don't think. Harry and Meghan expected to be in the UK for this long. So we hope that at least he can see some friends while he's over there, maybe have a pint for his birthday, but that's got to be really tough on him. We just wanted to say, kind of point to this weird thing about the announcement of the Queen's death and the timing of it, because I guess, I mean, Rachel and I were Following, I'm sure you were too, Bethan, with like eyes glued to the TV about everything. And it seemed like as soon as William, Andrew, Edward and Sophie arrived about moral, then the announcement was made. But Harry hadn't yet arrived about Balmoral. He was still en route. So I was curious if maybe it just wouldn't have made the front page of the papers for the next day in time if they hadn't announced it right away or if that was it to I mean I don't want to think the worst, but it just felt really odd the timing of the everything
0: I think possibly they just couldn't have waited any longer um i I don't know this for sure, but from the messages I was getting that afternoon, it was almost like an open secret um by the time it was announced, you know yeah. that oh, you wow. know that the worst had happened um so I think that um you know, for them to have waited any longer. I think obviously it was unfortunate that Harry didn't make it, but yeah, I suppose given his position in the family, that is perhaps just one of those things that sadly is going to, is going to happen for him. And of course, he left very early the next morning as well. So
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, It seems like maybe they would have had to they just couldn't wait any longer. I'm sure the pressure of what was going on was just so, so great. Yeah,
2: no, it's been it's been a while to just following it all. And I thought that, you know, when we were kind of trying to figure out how to encompass and go into all of this. We thought it would be great to just think about the big moments and we want you to definitely add to this, Beth. And what has jumped out to you rather than kind of recapping everything that every little detail that has happened in the last couple of days or few days. It's, it feels like it's been months and months and all that's yeah. occurred. But the thing that Roberta and I just leaps off the page, the Fab Four reunion, that was the thing that we just couldn't our glee and sort of excitement over that as of course we saw Kate and William and Harry and Megan together for the first time since December, 2019 for that Windsor walkabout, I'm not including Commonwealth day. There were 40 minutes spent greeting uh, people that had come to pay their respects. What were your reactions to that?
0: Well, when I, when I saw it come on, on the BBC news, you know, which was there in the background. Um, yeah. I think very shocked at first because, especially recently with the kind of interviews that Meghan has been doing again and her podcast. um, I suppose there wasn't this sense that any kind of reunion was very imminent. But of course, such a huge event as the Queen's death could, you know, was a real chance to change that. Um, I I thought it was very interesting that along with that, that appearance, this statement was made that, you know, the Prince of Wales um, reached out to Harry and Meghan, you know, almost kind of painting William as as the kind of peacemaker again. So I, I'm really glad that they both made that effort for, I suppose, for their grandmother, ultimately. I think it was a really, um, a really nice first step and, and something that was obviously, you know, picked up the world over in the aftermath of, of the Queen's death. So yeah, I'm I'm just very interested to see how how that is going to play out in a, on a more long-term basis because obviously also Charles um addressed Harry and Meghan in his speech to the nation as well, which lots of people thought was was a very nice detail and he expressed his love for them. So I think there have been some some peace offerings, but who knows whether that is, you know, just for this morning period just to stop there being all this speculation or whether it's it's a long-term beginning of, of some kind of reconciliation.
2: I know. I was so struck by just the power of those images of the four of them together. I think that just the absence of them for so long, and then remembering what it was like and seeing that feeling of unity and what could have been. There were just so many things to think in that regard. I think Roberta and I, there was a lot of online chatter about whether or not Harry and Meghan may have traveled with Um, all black attire, as is royal custom. I mean, they're obviously not beholden to that in terms of royal protocol anymore. But do you think that that may have been the case? Or is it possible? I mean, it's very possible they're royals to scramble and get an outfit. What is your take on that?
0: My feeling is that, I mean, I don't know, possibly they probably wouldn't have had it with them. But of course, they were at Frogmore Cottage, um, or they were in Windsor, where they probably have remnants from their kind of royal wardrobe so perhaps they already had some things but I did read that the reason why the um walkabout was somewhat delayed was because they had to kind of get changed and get the right clothes together so well, and it sounded
2: um, like William asked at the last minute and then you did have the conflicting briefings from uh King Charles saying that he ordered them to get you know get the, have this invite extended so it's very um fascinating but I imagine it does sound like it came together kind of last minute
0: yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it was so striking because I think so many of us will remember Windsor as the location of Harry and Meghan's wedding, you know, and that was such mm-hmm. a high moment for the royal family. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I remember working that day and there was just such a sense of optimism in the air. She was such a kind of, you know, breath of fresh air for the royal family. There were all those beautiful pictures against the backdrop of Windsor of her in in her Givenchy dress, and so for then, you know, to have a few years later in black, you know, not only with the queen's death hanging over them, but this, you know, this rift, um, I think is it, it's a really sad kind of comparison in that in that story in that location.
1: Yeah, and it felt so striking too, in like such. We know, we're all kind of mourning the loss of the queen and grieving to then have them come together. And it was such a bright spot, I think, for royal watchers to see them and to see. I think what we've missed a lot of is the four of them have such rapport with the crowds. Like we saw, you know, the woman reaching out and hugging Megan. We saw Kate telling the crowd that Louis was comforting her by saying that, you know, Granny is with, grandfather now and it was really sweet and so I think those moments of humanity with the four of them are what stand out the most it feels like we missed that and the power of all four of them together for so long so
0: yeah and no matter what the difference between them all four of them are brilliant at that job of interacting with the public and I I really do often think about that I think it's so sad that Harry and Meghan aren't part of it because our royal family it would would be so interesting and so vibrant if they if they were in that mix um and I, I completely understand why they aren't in that mix and everything that's kind of happened um but there's just that part of you that things if things have been done differently how powerful that combination um
1: could be it would be like Charles's great. I feel like I one know. of his best works would be to do yeah. that to make them come together. One of his greatest accomplishments. Um, we did want to shout out too that the news kind of trickled out behind the scenes that of course archetypes would be delayed or on pause for the official period of mourning for the queen so i'm not sure it is it officially coming back at some point rachel
2: yeah it's on hold until september 26th so
1: then it'll be back yeah and then the, uh, also the talk show appearance that megan had a guest that scheduled we had no idea but she had to cancel with jimmy kimmel i believe I th- the tonight show right? The Tonight is, Show. Okay. Yeah. So I think yeah, it was Jimmy so Fallon. Yeah. On Jimmy Fallon.
2: I think the other thing too, the Cambridges are now the Waleses. What is that reaction in the UK, Bethan?
0: still slight disbelief actually because we now say the Waleses right we don't say the Cambridges yes (laughs) their surname now I mean they have so many titles but their surname now I mean I'd love it because obviously the the children started at school as George Cambridge, Charlotte Cambridge, Louis Cambridge the next day they'll have gone in as George Wales, Charlotte Wales and Louis Wales Um, but yeah it's still of course it's going to take a long time to kind of get used to those different names and and obviously the the name princess of wales is so evocative of diana and that history and we have had that you know 25 year gap but nevertheless you know there's still so much so much history behind that and um i think kate she didn't say this herself but there were some kind of source briefings you know she's she, she's very aware of the past but wants to move on and um i think she has the you know, ability to be a great Princess of Wales, but she will have that, you know, the title is, is a big one to step up to, for sure.
2: Yeah, when you mentioned the kids, that actually I feel like was something that in that walkabout has been just on my mind. I think the parenting perspective of it all, where I think William was the one that shared the ha- the gravity of just the kids having their first day at Lambrook on the same day that their great grandmother passed away and starting in a whole new town. And I think that in the, I just like the maternal instinct in me is I'm always I'm just like so concerned and and just how hard that must be because like my son is starting school this week and he's having a hard time and you know that and then I think about like Archie and Lilibet who like you know obviously Harry and Meghan were trying to make this like a quicker trip to do their quick charitable moments and like I wonder what those conversations are like for all of them just you know are Archie and Lily gonna make it over to the UK you know they just just the gap you know that like parenting part of it all feels overwhelming so that was something that jumped out
1: I think what struck me was that I was trying to see how long it would be that they'd be gone. Harry and Megan are planning, I guess, to stay a week after the funeral during that period of mourning that was announced. And so that would be almost 25 days if Archie and Lily are not brought over, which I think they're sort of trying to work out, as what sources said, so that Doria could maybe bring them over. but. I mean, not only thinking about the Cambridge kids, not only the new names and the new school, but a new home potentially, because I think there's now chatter that they'd move into Windsor Castle at some point when they've just moved into Adelaide. So it'll be really interesting. And I think that's just a lot of change for a little. Yeah, it changes so much. You know, it's obviously this was all expected,
2: but it does because of there's just so much transition that has to happen naturally.
0: And William will have a huge amount on his plate as well, yes. because the, that, that title, Prince of Wales, also being the Duke of Cornwall, that comes with like a whole business to run, basically, an empire. He is going to just have such a huge change, which of course will impact on, on the whole family.
2: And, you know, I know we've been chatting a little bit about style. It feels odd to talk a little bit about funeral style, but Beth, and what can we expect on Monday? Are you, do you have any thoughts there? I always think about what Kate wore to Prince Philip's funeral as being just so, so beautiful and memorable. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we can really expect a really grand majestic style display and I mean, I, I agree with in a period of mourning, it, it seems silly to talk about clothing, but actually in in royal history, clothing has been such an important part of mourning because it is that kind of visual way to show your grief and to show your respect as well to the person who's who's passed away. Um, so the conventions of royal mourning are that you wear completely black and that you only wear diamonds or pearl jewellery as well. Mm-hmm. Um so i think it's very likely that you know at at philip's funeral kate borrowed some pieces um from the queen's jewelry collection which had been wedding gifts um and i think it's it's highly likely that we will see uh, see something similar happen again I, I i'll be really interested to see if, if camilla is wearing some of the queen's jewelry as well mm-hmm. actually because obviously it's it's will have been inherited by charles I I presume if maybe by Anne, I'm not sure, but um it will be it'll be interesting to see which pieces come out. I think there'll be, you know, some very sentimental messages within that. Um and I also think that certainly Kate will have a very striking outfit created, despite the fact that she can only wear black. Um, you know, we saw her in that beautiful bow beau coat by Catherine Walker at Prince Philip's funeral. So Perhaps there's an incredible Alexander McQueen piece that's that's already been created um, or a Catherine Walker piece. Um, we'll see. But I, I think it will be a spectacular
1: fashion vision in its own way. Yeah. And of course, because we're recording this, there's news breaking all the time. But we saw William and Kate arrive to Buckingham Palace to, as the Queen's coffin was entering there for the last time and she was wearing pearls and that felt like a direct nod to the queen and her strands of pearls. Um, you couldn't really tell much else. It was obviously just a black top or dress, but, um, I think also Jay Camilla was carrying a Lawner of London handbag, which, um, it was a clutch actually, but of course that's the queen's beloved handbag brand. So that was maybe a nice little tribute in their fashion. I also
0: saw um, a picture of Queen Letizia of Spain um, Mm. when she um, went to kind of um, pay condolences to Queen Elizabeth. And she also had, I think it was an Armani handbag, but it really looked like one of the Queen's handbags. And I thought that was a really nice touch as well because it seemed like she was sort of paying tribute to her through that. And I think that is a really lovely... A lovely thing that we can do. You know, what if everyone kind of wore a headscarf or carried a kind of ladylike handbag? It's, it's one of those things that's so queen. I think it's a really nice way that, that she'll be remembered.
2: Yeah, it's funny with all the li- different media appearances that have popped up over the last week for Roberta and I, and I'm sure for you, it's like, I know that Black is the traditional color of morning and it it feels appropriate right now. And that's what I've been mostly going with. But I, I see those pops of pastels in my closet. I'm like, that feels also its own proper tribute too. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. My gosh. Yeah. If everyone at the funeral was wearing rainbow queen, like colors, that would be incredible. Incredible. Yeah. One can dream.
2: But Bethan, are there other moments this week um, just in the past, since the Queen has passed away that have stood out to you as poignant, particularly memorable? What, you know, we touched on a few, but what what is on your mind?
0: I think another one that really that really struck me was um, when we saw the Queen's coffin arrive in Scotland and there was that visual of Princess Anne um, curtsying to her mother. It, it's a, one of those very small things that, you know, this is a daughter- saying goodbye to her mother, but it's also a sort of a subject honoring her her queen that's died as well. And I think there's just so many levels that are tied up in that. And I just found it very poignant, I think. I, I, um, I think we've all, you know, become so used to the queen as this, this kind of global celebrity, almost. Like we were saying, the rainbow queen, this little old lady who looks so lovely, but actually behind that and behind that figure are these kind of centuries of tradition and um custom and i think it's so interesting that we you know we're still seeing the royal family respect that so much and and give this kind of such huge sense of grandeur to all these rituals that are now happening and so to see those kind of marks of respect to the queen you know in her in her sort of coffin i think it's very touching
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It it struck me when I saw the tractors of some of the Scottish farmers lined up on the side of the road, or there was actually, I think some um, horseback riders or something had lined up all the horses. And I thought that was so touching, and especially because, you know, that's so the queen, it just feels very appropriate for her. and um, And so that was really nice. Well, should we, we're going to quickly go through what's coming up and then we'll get into our highs and lows. So, I guess what to expect next. So, we're recording this on Tuesday and of course the Queen's coffin is flown to Buckingham Palace tomorrow. There will be a procession behind the coffin as it's moved from Buckingham Palace to Parliament. And then Thursday through Saturday it'll be lying in state for 4 days at the Palace of Westminster open which is going to be open 24 hours a day and I mean, I'm sure millions of people. I feel like millions sounds high, but I feel like that's how many people will be passing by it if it's open 24 hours a day. There will also be a vigil of princes Thursday night. And then Friday, Charles and Camilla will go to Wales. Sunday, there will be a one minute of silence at 3 p.m. our time, 8 p.m. your time uh, in London, and a national moment of reflection for that. And then Monday, of course, is the state funeral where. 500 heads of state are supposedly attending 300 foreign office staff have been transferred to work on just the funeral. Um, and we know that Russia, Belarus and Iran and Myanmar are all not invited, of course, and it is a bank holiday. So we'll be getting up early for that, Rachel. It's 6 a.m. our time. So I we'll have to have to get a bit early Sunday night. Coffee.
2: Beth and I was just going to ask: Are you planning to walk over and experience any of this in person, or are you going to watch from the BBC? You think?
0: So yeah, the last few days I've really spent working and writing and doing interviews and things. But actually, I've um, I've arranged that tomorrow, me and my mother and my grandmother um, and my baby—so four generations—we're yes. um, gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to Windsor. Um, we we've kind of decided that London seems like it's very busy at the moment, very congested. Um, But we're going to go to Windsor, which is not too far away from us and just pay our respects there. So yeah, it feels interesting because obviously I'm, I sort of do this professionally. So I've, I've kind of been in that mode where I'm like, right, I need to write this, I need to do this. Um, And we've been making some adjustments to my book because that's going to, have a reprint now because oh, wow. there's, just been, a huge, there's been, yeah. just been a huge surge of interest actually again um yeah and so then I think tomorrow is going to be a much more sort of personal family moment and then um yeah we'll just watch the funeral on on the television yeah yeah,
2: yeah. no it's like it just yeah it feels important to do something like that yeah and exactly. meaningful art will your son will look back on that that's I mean just to any you know it's a big deal.
1: All right, well, before we adjourn the Royal Pod, we always do our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. I'm going to kick it off with my low being, of course, is obviously the Queen's passing, but I think also Andrew front and center for all of this has really kind of struck me. I feel like he's been, you know, he was in the car with William and um, Edward and Sophie going to Balmoral to be at the Queen's side. And then his presence at all of these services, he's now we are hearing that he's adopting two of the Queen's corgis and that he might be allowed to wear his military uniform for one of those vigils. But Harry will not be. So I think that that um, it's it's just it feels weird to have Andrew so present throughout all of this.
0: Yeah, it's it's really difficult because he's her son. But I, what he's his past, his recent past, having his having him so much there, I think it's difficult. And there were there are certainly been some headlines here around the sort of arrests that happened when people criticized Yes, that's
2: pretty wild. That's a whole
1: other debate in itself. Yeah. Rachel, what's your low?
2: Yeah, I mean, my low, I think, is just, you know, what's throwing me throughout watching everything. And I think a couple of people have said this, but is just that Diana's absence kind of feels more prominent than ever. When I see the walkabouts with all the flowers, I kind of flash back to 1997 and then you see like William and Harry reuniting and I just keep hearing the panorama interview about this moment where she talks about it. And then, you know, I just think that that going back to that photo of Charles and Camilla walking into Buckingham Palace, like it almost feels like the alternate ending. And it's not to be negative at all. It's just I feel that history every time I see all of this. It's like we've talked about it for so long. And so I just, I think it's just, it's not necessarily a, a straightforward low, just sort of a reflective low.
1: <laughs> Bethan, what about you? Do you have a low of the week? My low
0: is a little bit less Serious, then it all (laughs) goes away. So (laughs) we need a little laugh, palate cleanser. (laughs) Um, so I don't know if this went viral, um, in the US, but over here, um, there was a moment on on the television where they they sort of asked people to please stop bringing marmalade sandwiches to um to buckingham palace because they now had enough marmalade sandwiches um and i just thought that was that was so british and i felt really sad for all the people who might have planned to bring a marmalade sandwich to Buckingham palace and then they said oh no actually we really don't need any more what were they doing with the
2: marmalade sandwiches that did get brought over
1: They were just leaving
0: them as like among the floral
1: tributes. Okay, got it, got it. (laughs) Um, Which seems kind of like it would attract pests.
0: I feel like that's not a good idea. Exactly, exactly. So I think there's like a mountain of marmalade sandwiches, and they're like, (laughs) we really don't need any more. Thank you. So that's so funny. Just shows the power of Paddington. Yeah.
2: Yes. I love seeing him sprinkled throughout all the tributes too.
1: Well, that's a perfect segue, I guess, because my high is. all the tributes, the floral tributes that have been arranged so artfully, I think in Hyde Park and Green Park, it seems like from the pictures we've seen, there's really a lot of beautiful um, designs that they've been doing with with the bouquets and everything. And volunteers have been taking the cellophane and packaging off of them so that they can kind of decompose sustainably and I think that that just the power of humanity and also just how beautiful it looks it is like reminiscent of the queen's rainbow clothing and um it's so striking to see all those bright beautiful flowers laid out like that um, Rachel, what about you? My height's
2: kind of random, but like when all of this happened, I kind of thought of Angela Kelly and what the Queen's passing would mean for her. And I did a Google, and apparently the Queen made arrangements for her to continue living at Windsor. But this was also interesting. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, I I don't know how confirmed this is, but um, it. Apparently, she was also given permission to secure a three-book memoir deal uh, about her time working for the Queen. So I don't know what that means in terms of what's to come, but that was um, some coverage I saw about Angela Kelly and her future. So that's kind of something to look forward to.
0: What about you, Bethan, your high? My high has just been, as someone who works for a newspaper, seeing the power of print kind of really coming to the fore (laughs) you know because I just have loved looking at all the newspapers there are just so many stunning images of the Queen from across her whole life and just to see those beautifully printed huge you know just so proud I, I just love it I've just been kind of drinking in all that beautiful imagery and you know what an amazing kind of archive of her life I mean I loved when I was you know, researching my book, looking back through everything, but to see it all blown up on these huge newspaper pages, it just makes it very special, I think.
2: Yeah. I know as soon as we finish recording, I don't think much will have hit here, but I'm headed to Barnes and Noble to grab some of the papers. I'm not sure if they've gotten to the U.S. yet, but I definitely want to save some of them for the archives.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I feel like I have like 10 tabs open of all different obituaries from all different um, papers and websites. and. Outlet. So I'm like slowly making my way through them, but it is it's so powerful and they're so, so well written. So, all right. Well, Beth, and this has been so lovely to get to catch up with you and chat. Thank you so much for joining us in our episode to talk about the Queen. And all of the plans surrounding Operation London Bridge. Um, We'll have more coverage of the funeral next week in our episode. Just a reminder, before we close, leave us a royal rating. We have a review here. Um, Oh, this is really nice. They said... I caught a clip of one of the hosts getting interviewed on NPR. I'm so glad I did. This feels like the virtual hug I need after the Queen's passing this week. Thank you for what you do. Shout remember. to Roberta. Subscri- that was yeah, Roberta. <laughs>
2: great work.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was like so tired. I feel like remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you again, Bethan. This was Thank you for great. being Thank here. Thank you so much. And Thank remind you. our audience where they can follow you. It's
2: at Bethan Holt on Instagram, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. Amazing. Thank
2: you again. All right.
0: Till next week.